All right, happy Friday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. I am Peter Klein. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary going to be very much focused on combat sports as we go along. We'll have a sprinkle of it Monday and Wednesday. Probably going to be a big focus on blood and guts coming up next week. But Fridays are going to be specifically earmarked for the worlds of professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, and boxing, and basically anything in a ring that involves punching people, whether it's real or not. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any comments on the show, you can email the show at couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. You can find me Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Went on there on Thursday night after round one of the draft to break down what we saw from there. If you're looking for draft coverage, that's a pretty good place to find it. We put the podcast version up a little bit earlier on this morning. The music that you heard is from Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's are. And Tommy Fresh Music is the producer. You can find him on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. If you want more from me, I'm also on We Had No Idea, uh, the general history podcast. This week we cover nuclear meltdowns. You can find us on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. All right, the shilling is done. It's now time to get into the face-punching stuff. And let's start with UFC 261. An unbelievable night last Saturday night in front of a crowd. Not going to get into the specifics on that. Different places have different levels of vaccinations going on and quite frankly, different levels of antibodies anyway. So I, I am not going to, pro, I'm not going to project what is currently happening in the city I live in, in Calgary, where it is just an absolute dumpster fire onto other places. Would I have gone? Eh, probably not. But at this point, vaccines are going pretty well in the States. I, I'm not going to get too up in arms unless they turn into giant super spreader events. If you want more on the main card for the UFC 261, you can listen to the instant analysis that I had after the show on Saturday. Kind of went through some of the, the main card storylines, and there were a lot of them. But I do want to dive into some of the stuff that we saw on the undercard. And first, I just want to say... Um, while the UFC goes public this week, I am buying all of the rude boy Randy Brown stock. I absolutely love what this guy can bring to the table. Uh, he's now won three of his last four. His last loss was to a guy who's in sixth right now in the UFC rankings at welterweight. I, I think this is someone who is a major player. And I think this is someone who now deserves another opportunity against someone with a number by their name. If that's not going to be the case in this bout, I, I think he needs to have one of those kind of all contender matchups where, or, or all prospect matchups where you see, all right, where are these two guys at? Let's see. And then the winner is able to take a big step forward fight. I, I was quite impressed with what I saw from Randy Brown. I, I thought a, a really, really nice showing. Talked a little bit about Brendan Allen on the preview and look at him go. I, I think that that was a nice all around performance from him. Not one that moves him into the top 10, I think by any stretch of the imagination, but the kid has talent. And uh, I think he is someone to get pretty excited about if you are the ultimate fighting championship. We talked a little bit about the story of Tristan Connolly, the lone Canadian on the card, and it was a rough night for him. The If you missed it, he was in a car accident a very long time ago, still fought, but then during the pandemic, the only real uh, workout equipment he had was his own body. So he did some push-ups, and all of a sudden his neck started bothering him and it came out that he had some neck problems stemming from the car accident that basically had his neck looking just like Swiss cheese. So they do surgery 
and he comes back very, very quickly and moves down a couple of weight classes. And I thought, credit to him for, I mean, A, going through that entire recovery process, that cannot be easy. I mean, it's certainly not easy, but I can't imagine how difficult all of that is. And then to just not fold up shop in that fight. Pat Sabatini showed that there is reason for a lot of the hype surrounding his UFC debut, but Tristan Connolly put it on him in that third round after getting big brothered for the first two rounds. And so you have to have incredible respect for the heart for Tristan Connolly. I think good things are ahead for him, and I think really good things are ahead for Pat Sabatini. I think he has to learn what a 15-minute fight in the UFC is about, though. And I think Tristan Connolly kind of gave him that opportunity and showed him like, look, it's fine to do it for 10 minutes, but it's so much better if you can do it for 15 minutes. So I think some growth can be coming for Pat Sabatini. And I think good things are ahead for Tristan Connolly. I think you can take a lot from that type of a showing. Rongju, I thought, showed some flashes, but still a long way to go for him. And overall, a tough night for Chinese mixed martial arts. But I thought it was cool to see them on. And I at least want to see all four fighters again. You, know, you saw Jeff Molina in a wild fight after a wild opener. And that was where you could see the crowd was really having an effect on a lot of these fighters. And it was... It was wild right away. The crowd is going nuts for the intros of a couple of fighters they probably never heard of before. And then the two fighters oblige by just going bananas. And you see that in the Jeff Molina fight as well. So overall, UFC 261, even if you if you have not watched it yet and you know literally every result from that card, go back and watch it. It was just an absolute delight with the exception of a couple of leg breaks. And that I thought that really kind of punctuated how... Uh, just an, another layer, I guess, to how devastating those leg injuries were. Jimmy Crutes wasn't a leg break. Chris Weidman super duper was, if you saw some of those x-rays this week. Oh. But for the rest of that card, minus those two fights, it was basically gangbusters. There was one fight that was a little eh, but aside from that, everyone brought it. And I thought, I, I don't know how many people really had their stock fall on Saturday night. You know, if you wanted to do risers and followers, probably Alex Oliveira, I think it's probably time for him to go. But aside from that, a lot of people benefited from just being on that card. And I thought improved their standing in the Ultimate Fighting Championship with their performance on Saturday night. And then you have this just major bummer to start the main card where you get back-to-back -back leg injuries. It was just, it was such a high riding night. And it ends up closing out that way with Kamaru Usman firmly planting his flag in pound-for-pound -pound territory with a knockout victory over Jorge Masvidal. But it was a blast of a night, aside from two gigantic black eyes on the entire night. And I thought that was a very small layer of the whole thing, but I thought that certainly was a layer to what we saw at UFC 261. As far as this weekend is concerned, it's a pretty underwhelming card. And I was so buzzed after UFC 261 and going through all the research, you kind of forget about this one. Dominic Reyes fighting Yuri Prohaska in the UFC's 205-pound division. This is an interesting fight. Aside from that, th there isn't, I don't think, a ton to this card. Um... Coming off of the big night that we had at UFC 261, it's just, it's just kind of there, right? And it's just, it feels very skippable to me, if that makes sense. But I do think that this light heavyweight bout 
at the top of the card is going to be one that at least affects some things in the UFC's 205-pound division. Again, Dominic Reyes coming into this bout riding back-to-back -back losses for championships, so he has a bit of a long road to go. But um, you look at how well he handled himself in the John Jones fight, that gets him the Jan Blahovitz fight, and that obviously doesn't go his way, and as long as Blahovitz is the champion, it's going to be difficult, I think, for him to move up into that title picture yet again, but uh, I think uh, a fight and a victory on Saturday night against a prospect that some people are rather excited about in Yuri Prohaska certainly gets you right back into that spot. As far as Prohaska is concerned, he comes off of an impressive win in his UFC debut at UFC 251 against Volkan Ozdemir. 27 wins, 24 of them are by knockout. The last time the judges were required for one of his fights was the Horizon World Grand Prix. In 2016, where he won by unanimous decision. Since then, it's a lot of knockouts. Mola Wall went just a, an absolute Broadway with him into the third round before getting knocked out in Yokohama back in 2019. But th this is a, a prospect that I think a lot of people are excited about. And in the Volkan Ozdemir fight, that's a dude who can bring it with the power. And Prohaska just walked through a lot of that. Not walked through it, but he ate a lot of those and then comes up with a knockout finish. So this is a really exciting fight. And I don't know if this is going to dictate who the challenger is next at 205 pounds, although rankings-wise, you have number three against number five. But this is... The winner of this fight, I think, puts themselves into position for a contender's fight. And if it's an impressive finish coming up on Saturday, then I think you certainly could make the case that the, the winner of the fight could move into a title shot at 205 pounds in the UFC. Like I said, aside from that, there isn't a ton going on. Like, there are some names. You have Cub Swanson. That's always going to be fun. Ion Kutelaba had a name a little bit ago. This one kind of seems to me to be a, a bit of a, an opportunity for redemption for a couple of fighters. You have Ion Kutelaba, who at a time was thought of as a, a really intriguing prospect in the UFC after coming into the UFC um, as a, a heavyweight that people were excited about, but he comes in at 205 pounds and he hasn't really been able to get his footing. He, he gets a, a couple of wins in a row, 2017, 2018, that gets him into a big fight with Glover Teixeira and then he loses it. And then he looks good against Cleo Roundtree and now he's lost two in a row. So it, it's kind of a fight for him where, all right, are you going to get back on track here or what are we doing against Dustin Jacoby, who at 33 years old wasn't a major prospect, but he comes in with four fights in a row. I don't know. I don't know if this is a guy who we're really expecting to be a major, major, major player, but comes from a pretty extensive kickboxing background and someone who I'm at least intrigued by, but someone, if Kutelaba is going to get to where he's going to, or where a lot of people thought he could get to, this is a fight you should win. So go out and win it. For Christoph Jotko, later on on the card, or I guess earlier on the card, depending on how you want to work that. He had a very good stretch in the UFC for a time where he won, what's that, five in a row and then gets a big fight against David Branch and loses it and then goes on a three-fight losing streak, but he's worked his way back. He's won three fights in a row coming off of a win over Eric Anders last May. This is an opportunity for him to try to get back into that relevancy that he kind of lost a long time ago. So, uh, this is a night where if you want to skip this card, you probably can skip this card, to be perfectly frank. 
But this is also a night for a few fighters to have an opportunity to kind of get their careers back on track. It's a very interesting night. On the undercard, Ronda Marcos, I think, would certainly fall into that category as well, as the the Canadian is on a three-fight losing streak. She's lost four of her last five. She... Looked like she might have been getting back on track with a unanimous or a split decision win, sorry, over Ashley Oder. But Marcos has just never been able to really go on a great run that I think her talent would suggest she should be able to do. At 10 and 10, uh, sorry, 10, 10 and 1, this is a fighter who I don't look at the talents that Ronda Marcos has and look at her as, oh, that's definitely a 500 fighter. I, I think she's a good fighter. I don't know if she's a title challenger, but. I think that this is someone who her talent would suggest that there is more there than the record would. So another one where uh, it kind of fits in with the story of this card of redemption. They used to to title a lot of these UFC shows. Now it's just whoever's fighting on them. But back in the day, you would have UFC 76 knockout and there was no knockouts on the card, which was hilarious. But bitter rivals and all of those types of things. UFC 73 stacked. This one could be uh, UFC Vegas 25 redemption because I think there is an opportunity for redemption or an opportunity to move back into some form of relevance for a lot of these fighters on this card. Someone who has been fading from relevancy over the last little while continues to do so as Diego Sanchez was released by the Ultimate Fighting Championship, thus ending the legacy of the Ultimate Fighter Season 1. He is the last remaining fighter from that season on the show, or on the UFC roster, and he is no more. Obviously, a legendary career. Obviously, just absolutely bat crap crazy now. But someone who... I don't think you can overstate the importance of Diego Sanchez and that season of The Ultimate Fighter in the history of the UFC. A lot of people give Bonner and Griffin a lot of credit, but Diego Sanchez coming out and being a legitimate threat coming off of that show, I think is pretty important as well, that that you are seeing it's not just some bums in the house. And I think a lot of people thought that was the case as the show went on, but you look at some of the people who came off of that show in the latter years. Just because you weren't paying attention to it doesn't mean that the fighters on the show sucked. And I think Diego Sanchez early on establishing that title contenders could come off of this show, I thought was very important for not only the UFC, but for the Ultimate Fighter as well. Some not great news, not saying that Diego Sanchez is released, but more not great news, I suppose, as Yoel Romero is out of his bout with Rumble Johnson. This sucks. There was no way around it. That was going to be just an absolutely bananas fight at Bellator 258, which, by the way, 258 Bellator shows. My goodness. Good for you, Bellator, for that, because there were some times where it didn't seem like I was going to get that far. But Yoel Romero doesn't clear pre-fight medical testing, and as a result, his Bellator MMA debut against Anthony Rumble Johnson has been postponed. So, a bit of a bummer for uh, a show and a fight that was supposed to, or that is going to go, or the show is going to go down on May 7th. That fight, obviously, is not going to go down. But Bellator doing some great things. Um, It's a little bit trickier to catch it up here north of the border, but Bellator is really building something there. And they seem to be hitting home run after home run and are certainly a promotion that is worth paying attention to a little bit more. And I quickly want to give note on that to the PFL. Rory McDonald coming out with a submission win. I love the format for the PFL. You've obviously, with their format, with the payout structure, you have 
enticed fighters like Anthony Pettis, who had a bit of a rough go, and Rory McDonald, who didn't, um, to to come over. And now you can put on some pretty legitimate fights. And so I think shout out to the PFL for understanding that they aren't going to just be, okay, well, let's just be straight up MMA. Not that they're fighting with swords or anything, but you can't just go in and just be a lesser version of Bellator in the UFC. That's just not going to work. Bellator has kind of found their niche with getting some good prospects, building up some crazy Grand Prix. PFL goes with a bit of a different format and it works for them. The music that you hear on every Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Also a shout out to their producer, Tommy Fresh. You can find him on Instagram at Tommy Fresh. Transitioning now into the world of professional wrestling, and we will start with AEW, so I don't start mad. There are certainly holes that you can poke in what AEW does, but that blood and guts promo, the parlay, if you will, to set things up for next week, just perfect, absolute perfection. You pretty clearly set up potential rivalries going beyond this, but it really conveyed the seriousness of what we are about to see. And you compare that with anything you see in the WWE, how many times would they have had to shoehorn the word blood and guts in there to, to try to get the catchy tagline across for branding purposes? And it would have just completely taken you out of it. This felt authentic. This felt like these two teams fucking hate each other. And you can really see and you can really feel how important this is. And it, it just, I, I wanted to watch the match immediately. Like, I, I cannot wait this week. This is the most excited I have been for anything in wrestling in a very long time. And I think A&W, or sorry, AEW, two boys hungry. I think, a and, uh, I think AEW has been really, really good for the last little while. There are some critiques you can have, but I thought that this was everything great about AEW, where you have, obviously you have your big stars, they are helping out with some of the younger talents, helping them get over. Not that FTR or Sean Spears or Jake Hager, anyone are these young guys, but th this is helping get over 10 wrestlers at once. And there was just seriousness and there was just a realness to it. And, and it just, look, we understand, they're not actually going to lock each other. Like, we know wrestling is fake. We, we, we fully understand that, but the best part of pro wrestling and the way wrestling gets enjoyable is when you can suspend your disbelief. And for AEW, you can do that quite a bit. They, it seems like with a lot of stuff in WWE, it's either uh, none of this is going to matter or we just expect you to forget. But for AEW, there's a respect that they have for their audience that WWE just doesn't seem to have right now. And that's why AEW feels just like the more important show each and every week. And I thought this promo absolutely hit it on the head. A couple of things that I, I just need to, to kind of critique on the AEW side. They fit more into two-hour shows than WWE does into a three-hour Monday Night Raw. And that can be a good thing, but that can also be a lot from a viewer standpoint. Like, it's a lot of great stuff, but it's almost too much great stuff. And, and it's just 
beating you over the head with it for two hours, and by the end, it's okay, that was crazy, but what what happened? And I think for them now, as as you get closer to Double or Nothing, and as some of these feuds start to take shape a little bit, I think there needs to be a bit more concentration on just some of the main storylines instead of, well, this guy has this, but he also has this, and where do you go? I think they've done a really good job of setting up a number of potential directions for Kenny Omega, but now you have to pick one. And that that seems to be the way AEW is going with things, where it's not just, well, let's throw a bunch of wall stuff at the wall and see what sticks, but you do get a lot thrown at you, and then whatever's the hottest, that, that seems to be what they go with. It, it's a fun strategy, but holy crap, is it a lot. I think there needs to be just a bit more concentration on some of the key things. And now that we, we've established the Young Bucks are finally heels, they probably shouldn't turn for a while. That bouncing back and forth with them was a little bit annoying at times. But I, I think now, like it's almost felt like AEW for the last little bit. They've been a startup promotion again where it's just okay we've established this faction now we're establishing this and now we're doing this and it's just okay now we've established a bunch of shit let's build off of it now and i think they're going to and i have all the faith in the world that it's going to be fine but holy hell is it a lot another issue i've had this this kenny omega um belt collector thing i think is a great idea and when you first have the title win at Winter is Coming and Don Callis is helping and then Kenny Omega showing up on Impact, it's like, oh my God, here we go. And you, you just get so excited about different cross-promotion opportunities and AEW's barely mentioned it since. And not that I think they need to hype up Impact Wrestling, but I think more could have been done to make this feel just a little bit more special and then it just makes Kenny Omega feel just a little bit more special. So I, I thought I thought more could have been done with that and more could have been done to kind of build up the story of Kenny Omega just being a belt collector. Instead, it, it just seems like, oh, he just beat Rich Juan. Like, of course, that's what was going to happen. It just seemed, it, it almost seemed like a throwaway thing and it made what should have been a really, really cool moment in professional wrestling just seem pretty... Eh. It was meh. And that that's basically all you can say about it. But overall, I think AEW is doing a really, really good job. And they have an incredibly deep talent roster. I think there needs to be on Dynamite just a bit more focus on some of the main stuff. And then I, I think you can really, with some of these feuds that you have been able to build up, and th I think they've done a good job of building up a lot of different people. I think that has to branch out now to dark to elevation to things like being the elite but i think we need to see a few more video packages from those shows to make them feel a little bit more important because right now all of that is very skippable and you don't want to get into wwe territory where everyone has to watch everything all the time and then you start to pick and choose and then you just watch none of it but i, I do think you could make a little bit more of elevation and a little bit more of dark just feel a touch more important and and help kind of build up some of those guys that way as far as their former Wednesday night competition is concerned, NXT on Tuesday, it just feels like they're in a bit of a holding pattern right now. And now that O'Reilly against Cole, you have that blow-off match, you have a good promo from Adam Cole this week, kind of rekindles it. But it just feels like there's nothing big going on on that show right now. Like, it feels like, and this was part of it after the WrestleMania weekend, it just feels like everything is starting over again. And that's fine. The, the, you, you are 
from a, a story perspective, you are going to go through ebbs and flows and ebbs and flows, but it just, it feels like there's nothing big on that show right now. A lot of times, and I think one of the issues that they have is that there hasn't really been a ton of call-ups in the last little while, and that benefits the talent greatly because the WWE has shit the bed so incredibly aggressively with all of the guys who they, all the guys and a lot of the girls that they've called up in the last little while, that it's better for the talent that they're not getting called up to to main roster WWE. But you don't have that same turnover on the roster that kind of made NXT exciting. Like it just, it always felt like there was something new. It always felt like there was something fresh when you would go from Seth Rollins to Big E and then Sami Zayn's coming in. It's Kevin Owens and Bo Dallas was on for a little bit. But you have all of these different guys coming in and it's just, it's constantly new. It's constantly fresh. It's constantly exciting. And right now you don't really have that. I'm excited for Frankie Monet, but they had that's just because I know her as Taya Valkyrie from her exploits around the world. thought she was fantastic in Impact Wrestling, and I, I, I've i been a very big fan of hers for a long time. Nothing that she's done in WWE in the first couple of weeks has me super amped up about her. I'm just excited because it's her. But it, it just aside from that, there's nothing new. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing fun going on. Those can be built up over the next little bit, and I'm not going to stop watching NXT, but it, it just seems right now they're in kind of that down pattern. Now let's get to the main roster stuff. <sighs> Fucking raw, man. Like, I understand putting on a three-hour television show is very, very challenging, but it doesn't help when you make it more challenging on your, uh, on yourself. Like right now, what, what stands out to you from raw? I thought for a while they did the, the buildup of Bobby Lashley, just quickly, into being a, a championship threat. Perfect. Wonderful. That is how you build up a dude. They made Drew McIntyre seem like an absolute star. Fantastic. Great. Excellent. Now, the, the stuff with Braun Strowman, it's like, okay, losing me a little bit. But that's a big win for Braun Strowman he gets into the thing. But that, that whole start to Monday Night Raw, where for half a goddamn hour, it was Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman... Some combination of those two against the, the Mason T-Bar or whatever their retribution names are. Like, that just went entirely too long. When you have... I know I just criticized AEW for doing too much. You have a three-hour show. I would love for it to feel, at times, like too much. Raw has never felt like too much for me. It's felt like too much of a commitment because it's three fucking hours. But... As far as, like, wrapping my head around the storylines is concerned, it almost, it has got to the point on Raw where a lot of the stuff just feels pointless. Like, none of the matches mean a lick. This was something else I was going to bring up. I, I forgot to write it down in my notes. That Hangman Adam Page against Brian Cage match, where Cage gets the win, that makes Cage in a night. That, like, he, he had kind of lulled out a little bit. Boom. He is back in contention. In WWE, you never get that because, A, if you put on a match that I'm excited for, you have to set it up with a bunch of stupid, man, I'm swearing a lot on this. I have to catch myself. Stupid freaking hoops with Braun and Drew McIntyre having this weird, awkward back and forth in the backstage area. And then it, it leads to them tag teaming and, oh, now they don't get along. Uh, so now they have to fight later on in the show. Like, it, it's just... You skip a number of steps, and so then it doesn't get 
the anticipation that you need, but then you don't trust that they're going to do anything with it anyway because they've done so many screwy finishes that it's just, okay, oh, they actually do it. Strowman, Strowman gets a win. Oh, cool. But aside from that, no one wins. And if they win, they lose the next week. It is 50-50 booking at its absolute worst. And it, it just makes the show so unwatchable because nothing about it seems important. And if there is something important, they script it in such a way that it just feels so hokey and everything is rushed and nothing matters right now on on Raw. And the frustrating thing is there is so much talent there. I should be beyond stoked that Rhea Ripley, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair are in a feud. How exciting is it that we have Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman in a feud? You have AJ Styles holding the tag team championships. That is just the best. Matt Riddle is on the show. Not a great dude, but from a wrestling standpoint, someone who people have been excited about for a long time. You have all of these talents on that roster, whether it's Humberto Carrillo, who I really, really like, or Ricochet. You have the Viking Raiders. There's so much talent on the show, and none of it feels like it means anything. And it's just so hard to watch for three hours every single week when you could really sum up the show in 15 minutes. As far as SmackDown is concerned, I think SmackDown's been great. It feels like a big deal every time Roman Reigns comes out. And now they have done, I think, a great job of building up a number of different stars on that show. Like, Roman feels like a big deal. Daniel Bryan's always going to feel like a big deal. Taping this on Friday afternoon, so he could be done on SmackDown. But even that, like tonight, that feels like an important big event. When was the last time? I guess you had Lashley with his title win over The Miz. But aside from that, when was the last time something felt big and important on Monday Night Raw to the point of anything to do with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. And now Cesaro feels like a big deal. And you still have Kevin Owens and Big E, who also feel like they're working into the title picture. And you have Apollo, who is working his way, in, working his way up. And, and it's just, SmackDown feels like a well-produced, well-executed show where things are progressing and you are building things. And you, you take a step back and you see like, there are a number of guys who you could just put in the title picture right now and it'd be really, really exciting. And I think a lot of that comes from having the dominant champion in Roman Reigns and how big that win is going to be for whoever gets it next over Roman Reigns. And if Roman is just ass kicker for the next two years as the champion, fine. I, I think he is that good. And with, with Paul Heyman and with Jey Uso, fantastic. I do note a couple of weeks ago on the, the SmackDown after WrestleMania, that UFO thing was impressive, but it was every segment that we saw it. And that is WWE at its finest, where, hey, we finally found something. It's nothing we did. It's something that our incredibly talented superstars did. So let's try to take some credit for it and just absolutely drive it into the ground. And that is... that That is really, really frustrating. Well, even when you have something great, I go back to the Rusev Day stuff. They, they don't seem to know how to take advantage of it. And you, you have nights like WrestleMania where on the first night, that was amazing. I cried when Bianca Belair won the women's championship. They built up that emotion and 
that's the frustrating thing is that because of the stage that they are on and because of the, the years and years of history with WWE, when they do something well, it just feels bigger. Anything done well in WWE for now is going to feel bigger than anything done well in AEW because it's on Fox, because it's at WrestleMania in front of this year, 25,000 people, but at its peak, 100,000 people. Like it's just, they have a bigger stage and thus when they do it well, it is going to feel bigger. The problem is they don't do it well that often and it's so frustrating because you can just, for a while before I, I started doing the show again, you could just watch the pay-per-views. And that's what I did. I pretty well skipped Raw and SmackDown. I definitely skipped SmackDown for a long time. It was Friday night. I didn't know that Sportsnet had it in their on-demand section for a little bit longer, which was a great find by me. But none of the TV seems to matter. Like, really, the best way to watch WWE right now, and I can say this now because I don't work for a company that tries to promote every week. Hey, watch the thing. But the best way to watch main roster WWE right now is to just watch the pay-per-view events or the, the big events because you're going to get the edited down version of what the storyline is supposed to be in a couple of minutes, not the massively fucked up thing that they actually put out on television. And then you're going to get high quality professional wrestling out of it. And that's not how this should be consumed. You have such prime real estate on two major networks in the United States. And it's basically there just for weird fart jokes and awkward Dumb and Dumber references for a month before you get to a major show, and then there's absolute blow-away wrestling. It, it is just so, 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 so frustrating to watch main roster WWE. That is going to do it for Couch Potato Diary today, and thus putting an end to our first full week of coverage on Couch Potato Diary. Thank you to everyone who has been downloading. Um, wherever possible, rate, review, and subscribe. It's great to see some of the positive reviews that have been coming in. If you have any thoughts on the show, you can send them my way on Twitter. I'm at PrimetimeKlein. Instagram is the same. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. I am on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. That's where we're going to go for kind of major event breakdowns. We'll see if I do one after Blood and Guts. It is Senko de Mayo. Your boy loves himself some margaritas. So we'll see what goes on with a, a little midweek professional wrestling. But overall, uh, big shows, I'm going to be doing some breakdowns on there. As far as what the next week holds for me, coming up next Wednesday, another episode of We Had No Idea. Last week, we covered nuclear meltdowns. This week, we are covering the apartheid, so stay tuned for that. For all updates on that show, you can head to our Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. Next week, I'm going to try to go really, really hard on blood and guts. That, that feels like a major thing. And then coming up on the 8th, it is Canelo Alvarez against Billy Joe Saunders. I... It is a major event every time Canelo fights. I'm hoping to be able to watch that fight on Saturday night. Um, we'll see what kind of coverage I can do, but hoping to have some pretty in-depth previews of that throughout the week. So while it's very busy in the worlds of the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, a little bit in the NFL with the draft, there's going to be a major combat focus this week and for the next couple of weeks as the WWE has a pay-per-view coming up as well. So some big things coming from the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will talk with you all next week.